Well, it is good to be with you guys today. Welcome again to the Austin Stone. My name is Matt Carter. I'm uh, the founding pastor and the pastor of preaching here at this church. We're glad you're here. I want to invite you to open up your Bible to the book of Ephesians. One of the things that we do as a church is we go verse by verse through the scripture. And we're in Ephesians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, that's great. If you don't, we're going to have the scriptures up on the screen behind me. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 today, specifically. And I want to ask you guys a question as, you, as you're turning there. I want you to think about the last time that you became uh, really angry. I want you to think about that. Just go through the category in your mind and think about the last time that you got angry. You got it? All right, now think about, ask yourself this question. Ask yourself, why did I get angry? If you can think about that. Why did I get angry? What was the motivation behind it? You know, for some of you guys, you're not angry people, and so maybe it was a really long time ago. Uh, that you can really remember getting very angry. Some of you, maybe it was last month or something. Something happened uh, a month or so ago. You got in some argument or conflict. And for some of you, maybe you're like, what are you talking about a year ago, Carter? What are you talking about uh, a month ago? I'm angry right now at the person sitting next to me on the way. We argued here. Some of you can, uh, this is very applicable to you today. But today we're going to talk about um, the subject of anger. And Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's dealing specifically with, with the subject. And unfortunately, guys, I am a person that is uniquely qualified to preach on this. If I'm, if I'm honest with you, this, this, has been, this has been the sin. This has been the sin. If I'm just confessing sin to you, this has been the sin that God, probably more than any other sin in the last two or three years, that God has really been at work in, in my life on. And, and one of the things you'll, that's interesting about <clears throat> sanctification, which is a fancy way to say that God is going to complete the good work he began in you when he saved you. Interesting about sanctification is God will reveal to you that you have a sin and, and, and you'll fight it, and you'll fight it, and God will eventually maybe even bring healing to that sin. And, and instead of you just being kind of done at that point and being like, oh, awesome, that sin is gone. The interesting thing about the Lord is he'll go, oh, by the way, there was this other one. You didn't even know what was there. And that's kind of the way that anger has been for me. I had all the youthful, adolescent, stupid sin stuff I fought in my youth. But then when God kind of brought some healing through that sort of stuff, then, then this little bad boy of sinning in my anger is the thing that God's really been working in my heart over the last couple of years. Sinning um, through my anger in my marriage. Sinning through my anger with my children. Sinning through my anger with the staff. And the Lord has really done an awesome work, I would say, in my heart over the last couple of years. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But before we jump into the text where he deals specifically with anger, I want us to talk about the context of why Paul is saying what he's saying. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, because there's a specific reason Paul talks about anger, but here's why. In verse 22, he says this. He says, put off your old self. Put off your old self which belongs to the former manner of life, to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And then in verse 24, he says, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, now what Paul is saying here, listen. What Paul is saying here is that for those of you in the room that um, are in Christ Jesus, for those of you that are here that are saved, that are believers, you have two natures. He says, you have an old nature that was yours before Jesus saved you, before he made you a new creation. That's your old nature, your old self. And Paul says, what we got to do as believers is we got to take that old self off. We don't need to walk in that flesh. And he says, but for those of you that are in Jesus, for those of you who have trusted in him, 
as your Lord and your Savior. You have a new self. You have a new nature that is created in the image of God. And Paul says, you need to put that new self on in this ongoing way. Walk in your new nature. Okay, so that's the context. And then what he's going to do is after he talks about the, the old nature and the new nature, we need to take the old nature off, put the new nature on, is verse 25 to verse 32. Paul gives five specific examples of what it looks like when a believer is not walking in the flesh or the old nature, but is walking in the new nature in the spirit. Paul says, here's what it looks like. Five specific examples of when a believer is walking in his new self and the new nature. All right? And so we looked at the first example last week. I'll read it to you, verse 24. Paul says, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He gives the first example in verse 25. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor if we are members of one body. Tyler David talked about this last week that Paul says the first evidence that you as a believer are, are not walking in your old nature but walking in the new nature is that you speak the truth, that you're a truthful person, that you're not deceitful in your language. That's the first evidence that he gives. Now what Paul's going to do now is he's going to give the second example. He's going he's to say, here's the second way that you can know that, okay, I'm a believer, but I'm actually walking now in my new nature as opposed to the flesh. And then you, and you see it in verse 26. This is the second evidence. Let's read it. In verse 26, he says this. He says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. All right, that's the second uh, example Paul uses of a Christian walking not in the flesh, but in the spirit. He says is a person that does not sin in their anger. Now, church, notice what the Bible does not say right there. Okay, I'm going to leave this up. And I want you to, let's go back. Notice what the scripture does not say there. The scripture does not say that anger is a sin. Okay, so you need to hear that. Doesn't say that anger is a sin. The Bible doesn't say that a person who has put on the new nature never gets angry. It doesn't say that. What the Bible is saying, and what the Bible actually is commanding, is that we are to be angry, but do not sin in our anger. Okay, one of the evidences that you have put on your new nature, that you've taken off the old self, is not that you don't ever get angry, but that you don't get angry in the wrong way. You know, I have a tendency, and I know a lot of us do, we have a tendency to think that, that the ideal response in any given situation is never to become angry. But that's not what the Bible teaches. All right, look at, uh, don't turn there, but just watch. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29, Solomon says this. He says, he who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. And in Proverbs 16, 32, he says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Okay, you guys, you see that? What the scripture is lifting up as the picture of wisdom. What the scripture is lifting up as the ideal is not a person that completely refrains from anger but a person that is slow to anger. That's, that's what is lifted up as the ideal. All right, look at the verse again, Ephesians 4, 26. The scripture says, be angry 
be angry. That little phrase right there in the Greek, in the original language the New Testament was written in, is an imperative in the Greek, which means it's a command. It's a command of Scripture. Be angry. But what it's saying, be angry, but be angry in the right way. Be angry and do not sin. One of the, one of the most obvious examples of that was Jesus um, in the temple when he cast out the money changers. And what was going on in, in that story is you've got the temple in Jerusalem. There is an outer court in the temple. This is where people came to worship God. And these Gentile people, these non-Jewish people who were far from God would come and they would go to the outer court of the temple. And in the outer court, there would be these money changers that were there. And these, these Gentiles, these non-Jewish uh, people would come to worship God. They would go to the money changers. They would give them money. And the money changers would give them a pigeon or some sort of animal to sacrifice to God and to worship to him. Worship him. But the problem was, is these money changers were ripping these folks off. They were ripping them off. These people that were far from God were coming. And their very first encounter in the temple of the Lord was not worship. Their very first experience when they walked into the temple of God was not prayer. Their very first experience that these folks were having when they walked into the temple of the Lord was to get ripped off. These money, and Jesus shows up on the scene and he realizes that. Jesus walks up on the scene and he realizes these people that are far from God, their first experience is to encounter this person that's stealing from them and in turn, listen, was defaming the name and the character of God. These money changers were defaming the name and the character of God. Now, what was Jesus' response when he shows up on the scene and he sees these money changers showing these people a wrong picture of the Lord? What was his response? Was he nice? Was, was, he, was, he, was he gentle? I mean, did, was he polite? Was he really sweet to him and ask him kindly to leave? Did he pull the money changers aside and have kind of like this cool discipleship moment with them where, where like, hey, I know you guys just kind of messed up, but let me disciple you and show you the right way to go? No. In the story, Jesus becomes angry. He becomes angry and he removes them from the temple. Now, here is what we see from this, biblically, is that there are certain circumstances, and I want you to hear this clearly, there are certain circumstances where anger is not only a justifiable response, but anger is the appropriate and biblical and Christ-like response. Okay, let me say that again. Anger in certain circumstances is not just a justifiable response. Anger in certain circumstances is the biblical and Christ-like response. Um, just a practical example of how I've kind of seen this played out in my own life just recently. And some of y'all are going to get mad at me when I say this, and that's okay. I'm just being Christ-like with what I did. But um, I, <laughs> there's a pastor that's pretty famous, actually really famous in our state, and recently, just a few weeks ago, stood in the pulpit and made this statement and said, when, when you come to church, it went viral, when you come to church, you don't worship God for God. That when you come to church, you worship God for, for you. And this person continued and said, you don't, you don't worship God when you come to church for God's sake. You worship God for your sake. Now, here's the problem with that statement. Is that statement's a lie from the pit of hell. That's the problem with that statement. And then you got to understand something. There's a difference between an incorrect statement 
a theologically incorrect statement and a a satanic statement. And that crosses a line. And so I, in in the platform that God has given me, made a public statement about how that is absolute heresy. And uh, I wasn't rude, I wasn't mean, but I did get angry and I did respond. And, and it was interesting to watch the response of other believers to me challenging the statement um, that just like the money lenders defamed the name and the character of God, it was interesting to see the way that other Christians responded to me. I, you know, people wrote like, oh Matt, you can't talk to other Christians that way. And, Oh, Matt, you got to be nice to Christians, and, and you can't say negative things about other Christians. But here's the thing, church. Number one, a Christian would not stand in the pulpit and say, you don't worship God for God's sake, you worship God for your sake. And number two, we just learned biblically through the picture of Jesus that anger often is the appropriate and Christ-like response when the name and the character of the Lord is being defamed. So that's one example. And here's another one where anger is the appropriate response, and that's injustice. Injustice. You see, and don't turn there, just listen. In Amos chapter 5, verse 18, this is the Lord, and he's speaking to the people of God. This is God talking. He's talking to the, to the Israelites, his folks, and watch what he says to them. He says, alas, you who are longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? And so he's, he's saying to the people of God, he's like, hey, there's a lot of you guys that are my followers, and you're looking forward to the day of the Lord. And he asks him a question. He says, what purpose is the day of the Lord going to be for you? And he says, it will be darkness and not light. Just drops a bomb on him. Hey, you're looking forward to the day of the Lord. It's not going to be a good day for you. And then verse 19 is a funny verse. He says, as when man flees from a lion and a bear meets him. All right, you're, you're running away from a lion. You're like, oh, there's a bear. I mean, that's a bad day for you. He says, as you're fleeing from a lion and a bear meets him or goes home and leans his hand against the wall and a snake bites him, will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light, even gloom with no brightness in it? Okay, does, does God sound positive and uplifting and safe for the whole family right there? I mean, he, he doesn't. God is angry. He goes on. He says, I hate, I reject your festivals. I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me bird offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, and I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. And then he gets personal in verse 23. He says, take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not even listen to the sound of your harps, but let justice roll like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Church, make no mistake, God is righteously angry right here. Why? Because the people of God, God's people were wealthy and they were worshipers. They were wealthy people and they were worshipers, but as they worshiped the Lord, they neglected the orphan, they neglected the widow, they neglected the poor, and God says to them, I am not okay with that. When God sees injustice, his response is a righteous anger. That is the response. Okay, when you, when you and I, when we see the orphan crisis in our city, the appropriate biblical response is anger. The, the appropriate biblical response to the sex slave trade in our city and we do have a sex slave trade in our city. Side note, I'm going to speak, uh, I'm going to do a uh, series in January on sexual sin. And we're going to talk about that. 
But the appropriate biblical response to that is anger. The appropriate Christ-like biblical response to domestic abuse in our city is anger. Uh, The appropriate response to your spouse cheating on you is a righteous, holy anger. Uh, You were abused as a child. The appropriate biblical response is a righteous and holy anger. I'll say this again. What the Bible holds up as wise, what the Bible holds up as ideal is not a person who never gets angry. But the, what the Bible says is ideal is a person that gets angry in the right way, that is slow to anger. Listen, some of, you need, some of you need to hear what I'm about to say. There's some of you that are sinning through your anger, and I'm gonna talk about that in just a second. But there are some of you that are sinning because you never get angry. That there is injustice happening all around you. That there is um, unrighteousness and sin and grievous things that defame the character of God all around you and you don't care. Some of us are sinning because we never get angry. Ephesians 4, 26 makes this statement. Be angry, command, but do not sin in your anger. And it's that second part of the phrase, and do not sin, is where I trip up. It's where I fail. Um, because honestly, folks, that, that, that's my struggle. I have no problem getting angry. That's easy for me. No problem getting angry. When I see injustice, I get angry. I see sin, I get angry. I see heresy, I get on Twitter. You know, I have no problem. <laughs> I have no problem with that part. My problem is, is with the, the second part of that phrase, and do not sin. Now, I want to share with you quickly two ways that we sin in our anger that we move beyond the command to be angry and we move into the second part of it that says, do not sin, there's two ways. Number one, you can sin in your motivation for anger. You can sin in your motivation for anger. Number two, you can sin in your response to your anger. Okay, Cain and Abel's a great example of a story in the scripture where the sin came from the motivation of his anger. You've got Cain and Abel, which were the son of Adam and Eve, They both made sacrifices to God. God liked Abel's sacrifice. God didn't like Cain's sacrifice. And Cain got angry. And you ask yourself the question, why did Cain get angry? And the answer is because he was jealous of his brother. You see, his anger was motivated by a sinful reason. His anger was motivated because of jealousy in that situation. Um, uh, And and now he responds also sinfully. He murders his brother. But what you really see is the the sin started coming in why he was angry and the motivation. And one of the best things I've ever learned to do as a person that God is at work in my heart with the issue of anger is when I feel myself getting angry. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It starts somewhere about right here. When you feel yourself getting angry, I've learned by the power of the Lord and by the Spirit to just stop and ask myself the question, why am I getting angry? What is the motivation for my anger? You know, this is a great question for you to ask. Am I I angry because this person is not treating me with the respect that I think I deserve? You know, am am I getting angry because of of, of some God-centered, holy, righteous reason, or am I getting angry because of some self-centered reason? Like, is this person not treating me with the respect I deserve? Like on the highway, this person does something to me I don't like on the highway, and I get angry. 
if um, you know, you're, you're at the checkout counter somewhere and this person doesn't treat you with the respect you think you deserve, you get angry. Uh, if, if you're on the phone with the person from AT&T U-verse, if you get angry, right, with him, y'all laugh because y'all know what I'm talking about and you've been there. You know, it's like, is, is, it a, is it truly a righteous, holy, God-centered, vertical reason for my anger or am I being angry because of a self-centered reason? You know, am I, am I, am I being angry because this person has something that I think I deserve but God in his sovereignty hasn't given to me yet, some position? some relationship. You see, one of the litmus tests, if you're taking notes, one of the litmus tests you can use to know is you thought about your anger earlier. One of the litmus tests you can use to know, was that a righteous anger or was that a sinful anger is to ask yourself the question, was that birthed from a self-centered reason or a God-centered reason? Okay, if you're angry for self-motivated, self-centered reasons, then that is sin. Okay? But if you're anger, angry because of a, of a God-centered, righteous, holy reason, you have not sinned okay? yet anyway, right? Which brings us to the next part, which is you can sin from the motivation of your anger, but you can also sin in your response to your anger, which is my issue. My, my issue is, is that I, I will get angry, sometimes even for a, a a righteous, holy, God-centered reason, but, but I, I respond in sin. I respond in sin. Do y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Am I, am I, you don't have to raise your hand or shout out or anything, but am I the only person in, in this room that like you get mad and, then, and that's when you start sinning? You know what I'm talking about? You're, 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 in, a, you're in a fight with your spouse or an argument with your roommate, your boyfriend or girlfriend or something, and, and maybe it's even for a valid reason, but then you start sinning, right? That's when it starts. And then, and then afterwards, after you kind of have that out, sinful outburst of anger, and then after it's over and after you've done the things that you've done and you've said the things that you've said and everything kind of starts cooling down and you start reconciling, you look back at the things you did and the things that you said and you just felt really dumb. You know, you know why you feel like a fool when you do that? It's probably because you were acting like a fool when you did it. You're on the highway and somebody cuts you off in traffic and normally you are a completely sane person, but like for 12 seconds, you become completely insane. You know what I'm talking about? You, you start waving your arms at them. You try, you try to use your car to intimidate them. Um, I've never done any of this. I've just seen this happen. Um, <laughs> sign language, things like that, that. I mean, you see valid reason, valid reason for your anger. This person has done something dangerous, but see, the response at that point became sinful. Scripture says, be angry, do not sin. Um, you're in an argument with your, with your spouse and, and things begin to escalate. And maybe it's even for a valid reason why you're in this argument, but at some point you begin to respond sinfully in that conflict. I call it fighting dirty. You know, if just a little marriage lesson for singles in here, don't, don't ever fight dirty. It's when you start saying things that are going to stick in that person's spirit long after the argument's gone. Fight clean. They start saying something and you start talking about their mama. That's what, you know, that's when you start fighting dirty. And, you know, it's, well, let me tell you what your mama does. And, and, but I've never done that either. I'm just, I've heard that. But it was, I don't even remember what I was saying after that. It, it, let's see. Yes. Conflict comes and goes, but you're still emotionally punishing them. 
After they're trying to reconcile, you give them the silent treatment for days. Valid reason for your anger, but the response has become sinful. Let me give you a little more difficult one. Um, Husband confesses pornography to you. Husband confesses pornography to you, and, and man, you are hurt, and you are righteously angry and justifiably and appropriately so, but he's confessing because he wants to repent. And he repents and he gets accountability and he starts walking with Jesus and he starts pursuing your heart. But six months later, you just can't forgive him. He's begging for forgiveness, but you just can't. And not only is the hurt there, which is justifiable, but the anger is still there, which we're going to see next week. I'm going to preach on doing well. Let your son go down in your anger. That's not justifiable. But see, what's happened here is that in every single one of those situations I mentioned and a lot more like them, the, 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 you, were, you were angry for a valid, valid reason, but the response became sinful. And here's what we need to hear right there is that your response, our response to people's wrongdoing, whether it's on the highway or in a marriage, or in a relationship, our response to their wronging us is just as unchristlike. It can be just as unchristlike and just as in need of forgiveness as what they did to cause the anger in the first place. Paul says a person that is put on the new self and walking in the spirit is a person that, that is angry but does not sin in their anger. And he goes on, let's go ahead and bring that verse up again. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let your sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I'm, I'm teaching on that next week. It's a lot, it looks real straightforward, but there's so much richness there. We're gonna unpack that next week. But I wanna just jump into a verse that God has used in my life to really bring healing. And that's James chapter one, verse 19. Let's turn there quickly. James chapter one, verse 19. I think it's probably the best example in the scriptures of what it looks like to live this out. James chapter 119, probably the best example in the scripture of what, what it looks like for a believer walking in his new nature in the arena of conflict and anger. Here it is. Let me read it to you. James says, this is this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, or that could mean listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We're to be quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And church, honestly, before the Lord, for me, for years and years and years, I saw it with my father, I saw it with his father, I've seen it in my life, I'm seeing it in my sons, it's a generational thing, but man, I have lived out for years until God got hold of my heart the opposite of that. I was in conflict, slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to anger. And God, by his grace, and I'm telling you, it's one of the ways I believe God is real because I've seen him change my heart in this. By the grace of God, one of the things I've learned in conflict is to be quick to listen. Quick to listen. It's so hard to do. Only the grace of God can give you the power to do it. You're noticing an argument that, that both of you are so busy trying to make your point that you're not even listening to what the other person's saying. I've learned by, that... that what it means to put on my new self is to be a person that is quick to listen. I've learned that, that in the early stages of a conflict, to actually stop talking. I've learned that. Stop talking and listen. Actually engage. Actually try to listen to what the other person is saying. Scripture says you walk in the spirit, you're gonna do that. You're gonna be quick 
to listen. Listen to what they're saying. You would be shocked. Some of you folks know this. You'd be shocked at how often your anger will just stay there. It'll stay righteous. It won't move into sin and responding into sin when you will just simply listen. Shut up and just listen to what the person has to say and then just respond in kindness. In Proverbs 12, 18, don't turn there quickly. It just says, There's, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. Scripture says there's a the kind of person that just speak rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Okay, step one, person is put on the new self. We are quick to listen in conflict. Second thing he says is a person that's put on the new self is not only quick to listen, we are slow to speak. We're slow to speak. That is so hard. Being quick to listen is actually easier, I think, to being slow to speak. Because here's what I would do. I learned, I read the whole quick to listen thing, so I thought I can be quick to listen. So my wife would be telling me what I, I did wrong sometime, and I would be quick to listen. I, I'd go, all right, girl, I heard you. Now let me tell you how you're wrong. And I would be quick to speak. <laughs> the scripture says that a person walking in the spirit is not only quick to listen, but they are slow to speak. You stop. You're quick to listen. You hear what the person has to say. You respond by saying, I'm sorry. I hear what you're saying. I'm sorry. And you know what the, the Christ-like thing to do right there is? Nothing. I had a mentor. And by the way, there are times that you're going you're gonna to need to speak truth. But what I found, and, and I'm going to say this, and most of you will disagree with me. But you'll realize I'm right one day. I had a, I had a mentor um, tell me one time when I was young, he's an older guy, he was a pastor. He said, Matt, he said, I'm going to give you a piece of advice and you're going to disagree with me. And one day you'll realize I was right. He said, he said, lose every argument with your wife. And I remember thinking, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But now that I'm 41, he, he's right. And what he's saying is you can win an argument. You can be quick to speak, but it will do damage to your wife's heart. It'll stick with her and it's not worth it. Now, there are times your wife's, you know, out sinning like a big dog or whatever. You got to speak. I mean, you got to talk. But most of the time, it's just like stupid daily stuff. Man, guys, just lose that argument. Lose it. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And when you are, by the way, that's what Jesus did on the cross. And don't turn, this is awesome. First Peter uh, 2.21, he says, For to this you have been called. For this you've been called, Christian. Because Christ also suffered for you, talking about the cross, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. And church, what, what that's saying is, is that the way that Jesus carried himself on the cross is the example to which we're to follow in conflict and suffering. Watch what it says in verse 22. He committed no sin. In conflict and in suffering, you don't sin. He, uh, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, when people spoke poorly of him, he did not revile in return. You see that? You see the example? When someone spoke poorly of him, he did not speak poorly of them in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued. Here's what he did. If there was anybody that was justified in reviling in return, 
If there was anybody justified in defending himself, it would have been Jesus on the cross. Amen? Purely righteous man, he did all that stuff. How did he do all that stuff? It says, but, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus was able to be quick to listen, slow to speak, because he just, in that conflict, he just trusted the Lord. He said, God, I, I trust that you're going to make all this right. And we're called to do the same thing. Last thing, James 1.19 says, we're to be quick to hear, slow to speak. And the last thing it says, we're to be slow to anger. Slow to anger. You know, now here's the thing, guys. You remember that I said that the, that the scripture lifts up this, not this person that never gets angry as ideal, but the person that is slow to anger as an ideal. Why? Why, is, why are we being slow to anger the picture of a person walking in the spirit? Why are, why are we be, that, are, that are slow to anger the picture of this person that's walking in our new nature? And the answer to the question is, do you remember... Do you remember what Ephesians 4.24 said at the beginning of the sermon? Do you remember how Ephesians 4.24 described what our new nature was going to look like? Y'all remember that? It says it. There's a little phrase. It says, hey, by the way, when you put on the new nature, here's, here's what it's going to look like. Let me read it to you again. Ephesians 4.24. It says, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God. Your new nature that you put on and you walk in, it's gonna look like God. When you put on your, Christian, when you put on your new self, when you put away the old self, you're gonna look like God looks. When you put on the new nature, when you're walking in the spirit, you're gonna talk like God talks. That's what it's saying. When you put on the new nature and you're walking in the spirit, you're gonna act like God acts. And, and you're like, well, that's what God is? Yes, it is. On, the, on Mount Sinai, Moses comes before the Lord. He says, Lord, show me your glory. I want to know you. I want to see all of you. Who are you? Show me your glory. And the Lord looked at Moses and he said, I can't show you my glory, but here's what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to put my hand over you and I'm going to pass by. And as he put Moses in the, in the cleft of the rock, put his hand over him and he passed by. This is what the Lord said. The Lord described himself to Moses. He spoke to Moses about his glory. And in Exodus 30, 4, 6, God Almighty said this. He said, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, I am the Lord. I am the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. You see, being slow to anger, being slow to anger is not something God does. Being slow to anger is who God is. It's his character. It's his nature. And so when you, church, have put on the new self and you are being slow to anger, you are walking in the nature that was created in the very image of the living almighty God. When you are quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger in a very real and tangible way, you are being godly. You're being godly. It's who God is. We don't, God's not calling us to do this just so we can be nice people. God's calling us to do this because that's the image that we bear in the Lord. 
And so if you're here today and you're like, man, Matt, I'm, I'm a person and I get angry in the motivation of my anger, it's all about me. If you're here today and you're a person like, Matt, Matt, I, I sin in my anger all the time. Matt, I'm here and I am walking in unforgiveness towards this person. Would you do what I did a couple years ago? Would you just cry out to God today and say, God, I need you to heal me. I need you to give me the power to walk in my new nature that is mine in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. As your head are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to give you a second to do business with the Lord. If you just need to come before the Lord and ask for his forgiveness and, and ask him to change you, give you the ability to walk in, in your new nature, just ask him to do that right now. If God has brought somebody to mind that he's calling you to forgive, remember that we can do that because Christ Jesus has forgiven us. And maybe there's some of you in the room that heard this, you're like, Matt, I don't have a new nature. I can't think of a better day than today than to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I just, I trust in you to save me, to forgive me of my sins. I trust in what Jesus did on the cross to pay the penalty of my sin so that I might be in right standing with you just today in the best way you know how, ask the Lord to save you. The scripture says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with all your heart that Christ was raised from the dead. You will be saved and you will be given a new nature created in the likeness of God. Father, we love you. We praise you. God, we pray that by the power of your spirit and the resurrected Christ that we would be people that reflect this image. We ask it today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand together.